Hello and welcome to the Redaction Politics show. Today we're looking at monarchy and going to try to answer the question, should Britain keep the monarchy? I'm joined by our guests Matt Trinder, Mason Kwa, our reporters, and James Moles, our contributing editor. Now, our monarch, Queen, Victoria, Queen Elizabeth II, <laughs> the longest serving monarch in British history, of course. I'm not after, that old. <laughs> <laughs> of course, after Queen Victoria. A symbol of soft power, someone who completes vital diplomatic duties around the world. But should we keep her? That's what we're going to go into today. Matt, is there genuine appetite at the moment to get rid of the monarchy? If there is, I haven't noticed it. Everyone always talks about back in 1997 when Diana died and the Queen handled it really badly, that there was this kind of temporary swell of anger towards the the royal family and... Um, People were saying, well, I think I think this is the end before Blair stepped in. But since then, I I, I haven't detected it. There's rumblings of um, of disquiet when any member of the royal family steps out of line. But I think they're so ingrained in British cultural life, the institution, yes, but even more so the individuals, particularly the Queen, who. I don't think anyone can remember a time before her. Um, so I think we're very far away from that at the moment. I largely agree with that. Yes, I think the monarchy does remain extremely popular in the UK. We saw that at the time, for example, recently of the Diamond Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Mass turnout in support of the monarchy. We see it at times of royal weddings, for example. I mean, I remember when I was at school at the time of uh William and Kate's wedding and we all got farmed out to the theatre to come and watch it. Wow. Um yes, yeah, so it's very much ingrained into the British national psyche support for the monarchy. I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. For example, she's often a very popular figure at the time of um tragedies, for example, at the Grenfell Tower fire. She was one of the first on the scene there, while Theresa May was in a state of mass humiliation after the general election that day. Mm-hmm. It was the Queen who was out there comforting the victims, and she is seen as that unifying figure. I don't see that going anywhere. What are the arguments then for getting rid of the monarchy? Because if we agree that there isn't a great appetite at the moment, why why are so many people keen to do that? Well, I, I guess if you, for some people, if you want to call yourselves a democracy, then the principle of hereditary heads of state is on the face of it incompatible with that. Um, but I think just saying getting rid of the monarchy means there is democracy is a very um, shallow way of looking at it. Um, and that's often the argument that some Republicans go for, that get rid of the people And then everything will be fine. But of course, if you get rid of the monarchy, who then performs the constitutional roles that they still have? So the Queen is still head of state. So if you get rid of the Queen, who becomes the head of state? It would be very strange for the Prime Minister to do that. The Prime Minister's role is already massively inflated from what it should be. So if you make the Prime Minister the head of state, then Lord knows what will happen. But also the monarchy owns a lot of land as well. So I think if you get rid of the monarchy, then you're you're kind of pulling a thread. You'll open a can of worms that um, I don't think we'll know where it would end. So perhaps that's why 
there there is some superficial support for the monarchy but i think even politicians that think it's time they should go they don't want to pull at that thread because it will expose a lot of things that they don't want to deal with one argument a lot of people make is that the monarchy may seem uh, undemocratic at first but if you think about it empirically that we still manage to have a functioning parliamentary democracy not just in this country but in the netherlands in Sweden, in Norway, and in Denmark, to name a few countries. What do you guys make of that argument? Yeah, well, some people say that the monarchy is a is a defence against fascism, for example, that the UK has never had a, a fascist state because the monarchy is there to, to act as that ultimate stopgap. But... Um, I, I I don't really fall for that argument. I mean, the the monarchy is meant to act as a check on power. It's meant to be one of the, you know, the balances in the UK system. But I, I don't really see it performing that function at the moment. So um, I think if the UK hasn't had a full on fascist state in the time that the monarchy has been around, then it's more of a coincidence, if anything. Um, well, I think the an obvious argument to that point there that you've made um, is a very recent one, and that was the prorogation by Boris Johnson. Exactly. Yeah. The Queen was absolutely, well, was she powerless? But she didn't do anything. And what was something that was ruled unlawful, an unlawful suspension of Parliament. If some fascist demagogue came along down the line, what would a future monarch be able to do if that's all she was able to do? Exactly, because some say she should have done more, but then if she does, is that something to celebrate? I mean, surely that's that's a very worrying day as well when when a monarch who was born to rule steps in and makes a decision like that on our behalf. So um, to to view them from a liberal viewpoint as 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 kind of defending the masses is a very well, it's an absurd position to take. It doesn't make any sense. It's an uncomfortable sort of position, isn't it, that we find ourselves in, I think, as people who are supporters of democracy, that someone is bored into such status and such power, be it little or symbolic. It is, I think, a quite a contrast to many of the values that we have. Mason, are you generally for or against the monarchy? I see the monarchy as something that at some point will be gotten rid of, you know, not a matter of if, but when and how. Uh, to sort of bring it back to the other question about whether uh, it is possible to have democracy under a monarchy, yes, of course. Uh, democracy is a sliding scale. We accept that, you know, Athenian democracy, when slaves had no rights, was still democracy. We accept that American democracy, before black people and women had votes, was still democratic. And so today, when every citizen has democratic rights, but the monarchy still holds some level of power. It's still democratic, but it could be more so. And I think that's what the argument is. Not that the current system isn't flawed, but that it could be better. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I think if you look at the UK, the monarchy, the civil service, it's largely there to to resist democracy, particularly the civil service. So if, OK, w we have... I think everyone would accept that there is some form of democracy in the UK. You know, we're all citizens and we have elections every few years and we can change our leaders. But 
I think if if you want the kind of genuine mass participatory democracy that someone like Jeremy Corbyn was calling for, that's difficult with a powerful monarchy and a, a large civil service. I mean, the civil service is supposedly neutral because it's not employed by the government, but it's employed by the crown. So if someone is elected on a platform of abolishing the monarchy, how do they work with the civil service? Because they're effectively um, having to be tasked with the job of abolishing themselves or their boss. Um, so as Mason says, that that's the limit. And are you happy with that or do you want to change it? And if so, how would you change it? I think it is one important point to make there. You're quite right to say that there is more to democracy than the ballot box. And I think that is something that a lot of, say, liberal Republicans um, often don't consider. I think, look, there's often people who make the case for abolition of the monarchy. It's an argument that I call abolition for appearances sake. Mm -hmm. that somehow the monarchy looks backwards mm -hmm. or gives off bad vibes, so to speak, when, look, the problem is less the monarchy itself than it is the aristocracy and the amount yeah. of wealth that it controls. For example, the Duke of Westminster, who is 29 years old, I believe, do you know what his net worth is? A thousand pounds. Too much. <laughs> 12.1 12. billion, all inherited by right of birth. From the Grosvenor Lord, group. 29, Jesus. And he owns considerable swathes of the land in London. Wow. If we take, if we take away his titles and all the monarch's titles and their, their official status as they had a state and as the House of Lords, but they still control all that capital, what's actually been achieved? Mm. Yeah, exactly. One of the questions I'm keen to sort of get your views on is how has it come to the point in in modern Britain now where people are still born into a system of inheriting such vast wealth, such vast amounts of properties, because it seems very, very inherently unfair, cruel, perhaps, on a lot of people who live in poverty and, and see people like monarchs, you know, inheriting all that. Why, why do we still have this system? Why haven't we gotten rid of it before? Well, I think historically, if you look back at, at Britain's case, um, you know, th there's been more kind of slow incremental change than than a, 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 an act of rebirth, as we saw in, in France or the US. So um, you do have the Bill of Rights coming in in the late 17th century when um, Parliament invited William and Mary to come over. That's kind of the moment when um, parliamentary sovereignty was born in the UK um, but that was very much a, a well it, it, it was a liberal revolution but it wasn't a mass democratic revolution um, so people are invited to to join that revolution if they can but it, it, it wasn't one that um, saw a massive redistribution of wealth or power um, and that legacy is still very much with us in the UK. And the way the the monarchy and the royal family are talked about as well as this kind of bastion of tradition. And there's an assumption that that is a good thing, that that's what the British do, that they they hold on to the best bits of their history and, and that what 
that's what makes Britain different from other countries. I mean, you you hear that from the BBC when a royal wedding is covered or, you know, for the Diamond Jubilee or what mm. have you. So um, there, there is a spin on it as well that um, it's there, but it's it's actually a good thing that it's there because we've retained the best bits of our history, but just gotten rid of the bits we don't like. And yes, they'll talk about um, Great Britain, putting yeah. the emphasis on great. Yeah, but we don't actually. Okay, we, you know, people love seeing Kate in her new dress, or, or look at the queen, the Queen's crown. It looks lovely today. But do people actually know how much land they own, or how many powers they still have behind the scenes? I, I, I don't think so. People I speak to, I, I don't hear them talking about those kind of facts. So if they did know more about that, perhaps perhaps it would be more of an issue. I mean, I think with Charles, there may be problems when he comes in because he, unlike the Queen, has gotten involved and made his influence felt. So there could be a few scandals if and when he becomes king because things could come out that um you know he's he's gotten involved with but but at the moment no the queen's too clever for that uh probably like the the most overt uh exercise of the queen's power that i was able to find when researching for this was the way that she vetoed the military action against iraq bill which would have ceded the ability to declare war from the monarchy to parliament mm-hmm. so you know there, there are political machinations that go along behind the scenes but we're sort of trained to see the extent of the monarchy's political involvement as, uh, you know, uh, one time she wore a blue dress with yellow stars, and that means she's secretly pro-Europe, but is too afraid to say it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very superficial, isn't it? Yeah. I looked into some of the economics behind this, and what was really interesting was, I think the argument that economically the monarchy is rather costly is one that comes up quite a lot. So I thought, Let's look into this and find some of the stats on that. This is from 2019, and this is from uh, the Royal Household's website. And the income that they registered uh, in 2019 was £17.8 million, which is a rather high number. However, expenses were considerably higher, to my surprise. I thought it wouldn't be as high as this. £67 million of expenses. And that was mostly put down to renovation of historical palaces and places. So... Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Of course, it's hard to count the, you know, people selling mugs with the Queen's face on on the high street. It's hard to count, you know, count in those statistics. But on the face of that, that's pretty damning, isn't it? Yeah, it's an expense that um, I think we at least need to have a conversation about, even if people democratically decide that that's an expense worth paying um we we need to talk about it and decide that but i don't think that that conversation is going on because those facts are they are available but i i don't think um people are interested so much um i mean ju- just looking at the tourist side you hear that a lot don't you we should keep the monarchy because they bring lots of tourists over um you know i i think that the historical legacy of the monarchy is not going anywhere so if you turned buckingham palace into a giant museum then i think you might get even more tourists coming over i mean i know you can visit the palace at the moment but only at certain times and only in certain rooms so you know i think if you turned all of the palaces over to to tourists then it would be even more of a boost um so i don't think that i think that argument again is a very superficial one 
like if if I were to you know uh, pick a pretty close analogy, you know, like uh, I'm pretty sure that the still rakes in massive numbers of tourists and still acts as an amazing like historical artifact, regardless of whether or not there was currently an emperor or whether or not they truly have the mandate of heaven on their side. Yeah, exactly. The figures don't have to be there for, for people to want to go and see where they were. Exactly. I'm keen to get your views on this just uh, as we're going ahead, because I think it will help add a bit of context. So I've asked Mason, but James and Matt, in general, are you more or less pro monarchy, anti, somewhere in the middle? I would say if there were a referendum on the matter, for example, I would vote to abolish the monarchy. But in general, I don't see abolishing the monarchy itself, like I say, on appearances level, especially as a priority. Yeah, um, I don't think that would make much of a difference. Um, if anything, it might make things worse because then liberal Republicans would say everything is solved. We're now a democracy. Uh, but those underlying issues would still be there. I think if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, yep, get rid of them right now. I don't care how you do it. Um, but I think we need to talk first about what would be the replacement, because I think if you get rid of the monarchy, then I think you have to get rid of the lords as well. And what what's going to happen there? We need to be careful with that. We need to have a plan first, I think. Well, for one, I think abolishing the lords is a much bigger priority than abolishing the monarchy. Yeah. The lords very, have far more of an impact on our legislation than um the monarchy does you know i i definitely think we should abolish the laws we should take back control from unelected bureaucrats i think <laughs> definitely yes that's what we should all be for these days but if we were to abolish the monarchy i would propose that we absolutely do not have a french or american style presidential system where too much power is put in the hands of an individual I'd favour something along the lines of the German-Italian model, where you have a ceremonial president whose job is largely similar to what the monarch does. They dissolve parliament, but the executive is in parliament and is in the um, the prime minister. I think that might be a good option. Um, the, the worry is that voters might not be interested in electing a UK president, but if... I think the point is that there's a lot of talk about um, a lack of interest in elections and should we have election day on Saturday, should we allow people to vote in supermarkets, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that's the issue. The issue is, do people think their vote will make a difference? Um, so, OK, you could bring in a UK president, but I think it needs to come in with more of a a radical grassroots change um, again mm. talking about the monarchy it's not just getting rid of the individuals it's about land reform and democratizing institutions so okay get rid of the monarchy but it, it needs to be part of a package of genuine major change and then I'm sure we would see more people voting in elections because they would feel it would make a difference and it's an interesting prospect as to if we were to have, say, a parliamentary system with a ceremonial president, what sort of figure in this country might get that job? I mean, it's not always in these systems is not always directly elected by the public. Sometimes it's elected by parliament. Mm -hmm. This goes to an elder statesman. 
But I can easily imagine someone like Nigel Farage running for that role and doing quite well if it were elected by the public as a whole. This is what worries me, because yeah. I think if you look at the people who are going to go and vote in this type of election, let's assume perhaps it's a bit lower than a prime minister's election or general election. It's going to be people who tend to be older and perhaps are more likely to favour a Farage type figure. So actually, the person that could be representing the UK on a global stage, while right now we have a pretty good one, could be something, you know, pretty horrendous, which I think is really worrying prospect. Yeah, someone with a license to be political because they wouldn't have to be neutral. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think Boris Johnson is doing a pretty good audition for the role himself at the moment because he's <laughs> clearly determined not to get involved in anything that makes him look bad. I mean, he's he's on holiday in Scotland in that awful tent while everything's going wrong south of the border. Um, and that that's the worry as well, that um, it, it might be seen as a free riding option perhaps i mean it, it just it depends on the detail but if it's someone who's almost like the tory leadership election where there's two or three candidates that are nominated by all mps and then there's there's a vote with with low turnout then yeah it, it could be a disaster it could lead very quickly to to people calling for the monarchy to come back i mean to be honest at the moment who can blame boris johnson for going to scotland though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yes. think a lot of people would rather be there at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing that I think is a troubling prospect of perhaps getting rid of the monarchy is, of course, you know, we've alluded to it already, but how on earth do you do that? Do you do you put forward a referendum, which, of course, we know are hugely problematic. Look at the Brexit referendum and how divided the country became because of that. I worry that if we did put forward some kind of referendum or some kind of vote on the monarchy, it would just risk dividing the country so much, perhaps that would even be irreparable. Um, love for the monarchy, whatever your view is on it, runs deep in this country. And I'm not sure how we'd actually overcome those differences. I mean, look, if there were a referendum on the monarchy tomorrow, I think it's I think very few people would expect the Republic option to actually win. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think, I think so. at, at least 60, 70 percent of people would vote to keep the monarchy if it were to happen tomorrow. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah, I mean, doing it when the Queen's around is just a waste of time because I think even people that aren't that into the monarchy just just feel some kind of respect for her for her or connect connection with her. And in many ways, I understand that, you know, she has been around for a long time. Um you know, if I talk to my grandparents, it's it's all about, you know, what they did in, in the Second World War and all that kind of thing. And that 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 does come from a genuine place. But um, I think that just suddenly having a referendum without much political debate or consensus would be a problem because it wouldn't it wouldn't have the desired effect. And as you say, Declan, it could be very divisive. So I, I think if if. Uh, a PM is elected um, on a mandate of maybe not abolishing the monarchy, but at least talking about it, then that might be a good start. Then other political parties might come on board and then and then, um, you know, you, you can build from that. But, yeah, it, it, it has to come, I think, as well with a proposal about what we do afterwards. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which was one of the problems with the Brexit referendum is that yeah. David Cameron proposed 
the referendum, not for one minute thinking that he would ever lose it, mm-hmm. with absolutely no plan as to what would happen if he did. Yeah, it um, it has to not be a political game, but um, that's that's what politics is, right? So will that will that ever happen? I don't know. Yeah, Mason, what's your view on the referendum? Um, I I think I agree with uh, James and Matt. I think that you know uh, the the cultural capital that the monarchy controls is so powerful that talk of even like uh, curbing or reducing their power is so far in, in the future that asking how we would go about it is currently irrelevant. The political machinery in the society that would actually choose to do it is going to be so different to what we are working with today that almost feels irrelevant to try and speculate on how it could happen. I mean, the, the Queen, look, the Queen herself has occasionally faced some growing republicanism because she has made some mistakes in her time on the throne, most notably um, Diana. And of course, her, uh, would be the most notable example. Her response to the Abafan disaster was another one that uh, provoked something of a backlash. If that were to happen under a future monarch, especially Charles, I think that would more likely lead to a surge in republicanism. I mean, the queen is the queen. You have to be about 80 years old, plus at this point, to have any meaningful memory of a time before her. Mm-hmm. She just is yeah. that bedrock. Once mm-hmm. that actually changes and we see the, the ceremony of Charles taking over and being led with a robe and crown into Westminster Abbey and having holy oil anointed on his forehead and chests by the Archbishop of Canterbury. You know, it's going <laughs> to seem weird. Yeah. I think this is the problem that over the next century, the British royal family is faced with perhaps taking on board three ageing white leaders because Charles Charles could be 80 plus when he becomes king. So that means William could be 60. George could be about the same age, you know, if they all live as long as as the family tend to. So as time goes on, that will become more and more anachronistic, more and more ridiculous. And if there is kind of more Harry and Meghan issues as well, um, it's a case of, of what future members of the royal family are willing to put up with because the 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 attention on them from the press will only get more more intense um because everyone's got a phone in their pocket these days with a camera so the the opportunities for slip-ups and pressure is is getting greater all the time imagine if young prince george when he grows up now let's imagine this scenario he marries a black woman yeah what's the reaction going to be do you reckon I mean, I think in a way, for, for me, the royal family has to represent modern Britain. Yeah. And people of all creeds, all sort of skin cut, skin tones, so just it, that's modern Britain to me. And I think for many of us who have grown up with people of all different nationalities and backgrounds, that's a fair thing to do. However, I don't think that would be accepted by a vocal and powerful minority in this country who holds a large amount of power mm-hmm. or the large amount of influence. And I think that's that's the issue. And just thinking about it now, it does seem to me that perhaps the royal family, as it is at the moment, as Matt said, it could be three old white men. That appeals to a certain type of person. And perhaps that's why it's so popular and powerful at the moment. It's status quo, isn't it? It's not really 
it's not really representing modern Britain. It's not really changing. Um, what do you guys think about that? Do you think the modern family has to evolve and become more diverse in order to survive? Because I think I my feeling is if it continues like this, as Mason said, it's a matter of when, if not if. But we've seen what happened with Harry and Meghan and the reaction to an ethnic minority woman who is not British marrying into the royal family and the intense backlash from the press against her. The sheer it, levels of vitriol yeah. you saw there. That was horrific. You can't blame them for wanting out. Yeah, the, the, pr the pressure on them to diversify will increase. But I think that for many in the royal family, every sinew of their being tells them that that's a bad idea because they're not appealing to their base. It's a bit like the Conservative leadership election that in the first few weeks, they all come out with these crazy, absurd ideas about bringing back the death penalty because they know they're talking to 0.4% of the population. And once they, you know, once they get the job, they then try and talk about, oh, I'm a one nation conservative and all of this kind of stuff. So the, the monarchy are in that same dilemma that um, they're trying to appeal to a large audience, but also they know that their biggest fans don't perhaps want what that large audience does. So there's that tension there and you can see it playing out all the time. There's a potential there for the next generation of the royals to take on a more progressive role. I mean, Prince William talks a lot about mental health and that kind of thing. And some people say, well, of course he can talk about that. He's got all the time and money in the world to, to talk about that. And that's true. But also, I think it does have a positive effect to see someone in that role being so open about it, particularly a man as well. But um, well, yes, I mean, yeah, if you have that platform and privilege, it's better that you use it yeah. to talk about those issues than just turn into another Prince Philip. Could be worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, th there's only there's only so far I think you can go with that. At the end of the day, you are someone that was born into that position. And I think people it, it will just become more and more obvious um and and once you take the the queen out of the picture who just has biblical status in this country and around the world then then things might change very quickly mm. this, this country is going to slightly it's going to be a very weird place for about six months when the queen dies it really is yeah mm. uh i think the point that you made about you know like our biblical reverence is also an important point when we, especially when we tie it into like the need for a more multicultural uh, representative monarchy, because at the moment, you know, there is that connection between church and state. The monarchy is tied to the Church of England, yep. and there is a strong uh, representation of Christian values in how a monarchy uh, exists and perpetuates itself. So I think that is also something that I think we do want to see changed uh, in the lead up to eventually seeing the power of the monarchy reduced we want it to be more representative of the nation as a whole and that means it does need to cut ties with traditional elements such as uh you know our swear like swearing fealty to the crown should not require swearing fealty to uh the abrahamic god yes yeah very true and let's um, bear in mind that it was only a few years ago that it was the uh, ban on Catholics marrying into the royal family was repealed yeah. and that um, the heir to the throne 
had to be a man unless there were no male heirs to take it. Yeah, literally only, what was it, eight or nine years ago. And and if you look at the Lords as well, you've got 26 places reserved for bishops of the Church of England, but no other faith. Now, look at modern Britain. That is absurd. So if, if anything comes along to highlight that, to spotlight it, how can you defend it? I, I, I don't think you can unless you just start talking about tradition again. But cholera was a tradition but we get rid of it because you know it's it's a bad tradition right so you know they're you just, there to you just, be changed you yeah. just remind me of that line from blackadder where was it he says baldrick you're fired oh but mr b i've been in your house since 1672 so has syphilis now get <laughs> exactly not all traditions are good like we change like I, I think it I think there are just you know so many elements of this nation that when you actually examine them in a critical lens are anachronistic, both today and through our history. Uh, the last public hanging to occur in England was attended by people who took the London Underground to see it. I, yeah, I guess that's all you need to say really there when it comes to monarchy. That one one thing to reflect on, I think, before um, we've we've looked at some of the arguments against the monarchy. Let's think for a moment what we would lose by getting rid of the monarchy because James you mentioned a little bit about the mental health work that some of the princes have spoken about Prince William Prince Harry the Queen is the patron of endless amounts of charities who she supports um, of course around the world I don't know about you but I think I would rather sometimes the Queen be you know our diplomat to the world rather than some of our elected politicians which is saying something um what would we lose by getting rid of the monarchy i think that's a good point about the queen because i think the uk does a lot of its business on the promise that one day we'll let you come and see the queen i think that's that's a that's a fact that it's it is a a powerful um it is a powerful publicity tool for for the uk um so I guess that's what I was saying earlier that before I was like get rid of them get rid of them but it's it's a bit more nuanced than that there are things that we you know we do stand to lose um well that's just it foreign dignitaries get to come and have these lavish state banquets with the queen if they come on a state visit often those have been some quite unsavory characters though notoriously there were mass protests when Xi Jinping got a state visit for yeah. one as yeah, well yeah. when the pope did so mm. Yeah, I guess, you know, she, she has to entertain them all. Um, you know, whoever the government invites to come over, she she has to do that. But, you know, she, she is a figurehead around the world, the Commonwealth as well. Um, so, you know, I guess you, you discard that without considering the other side at your peril, I guess. But I think there is more to gain by looking at alternatives. But there there is something to lose as well, I guess. I think that, uh, well, the first thing that's been defined in terms of what we'd lose from abolishing the monarchy, we would have so many fewer bank holidays each year. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, the, the Queen has at least four different birthdays. Uh, we get a new, we get, we get a day off whenever one of them gets married. You know, uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said that the amount of labour the average British person needs to do is definitely going to go up if we abolish the monarchy, simply because there would be that many fewer days off. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think um, they do, 
that one of the things that can bring the nation together in many ways is, as you say, Mason, I, I remember that day when William got married because I was actually in Spain then, but I remember it was a special day off in the UK and everyone in Spain was watching it. And, you know, perhaps we do need um, things like that to remain because there are so many things that divide us these days. Um, but I, I just wish we could rally around something a bit more progressive a bit more a bit less superficial and where would that leave the commonwealth and how, how do we feel about that because obviously uh, that's kind of like something that's related to, to the empire it's, it's very closely connected nowadays after brexit post brexit we've had no end of politicians appealing to the commonwealth about how we're going to reconnect with them and and you know use them as our base for trading um what sort of impact would that have on the Commonwealth by getting rid of the royal family? And does that even matter? Yeah, well, I, I think the Commonwealth's days would be numbered if the monarchy goes. But of course, many countries are in the Commonwealth now because they get something out of it. It isn't just a we used to be in your empire and thank you so much for giving us our independence. We want to stay close to you. Um, you know, there's so many things wrong with that sentence, but that would be a whole other <laughs> podcast. Um, but I think that the economic trading ties, they'd, they'd still be um, there'd still be a desire to keep those in place. But I think it, it would have to change because a, a Commonwealth without the British royal family, I'm not quite sure how that would work. Yeah, I, I think that. I don't think the I don't think the British royal family is as much of a linchpin to the ties of the Commonwealth as some people do make it out to be. So I'm going to disagree with Matt on that point, because you know there are so many other pillars that do uh, unite these nations. If we're looking at the Kansas nations, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, then they all have very similar economies and cultures. Mm -hmm. We share a common language. Uh, if, if we if we look broader than that, if we look at nations like India, then there are strong social ties. And also, there's, there's, there will always be the cricket games. Yes. Even if we abolish the monarchy, <laughs> we will still be unified by our love of sports that England is notoriously bad at. <laughs> yes, I was about to say, we taught the Indians how to play cricket so they could beat us at it. <laughs> yes. I think that's the famous saying, isn't it, from India? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's still lots of ties there, but I think the institution of the Commonwealth itself would probably have to change without um, without the monarchy. But yeah, the, the, the ties would still remain. And I guess that's another <laughs> argument against the monarchy that, oh, if we get rid of it, the Commonwealth will have to go and no one will want to trade with us again. I mean, that's that's just a superficial argument again. Plus, on the tourism point, I'll say this. If we abolish the monarchy so they're no longer living in Buckingham Palace, we could open Buckingham Palace up to tourists. Exactly. Yes. Com convert it into flats or something, couldn't we? Oh, yes. Oh, now, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> you know, some, some of the survivors of Grenfell Tower are still in need of accommodation, aren't they? There we go. Exactly, exactly. I always remember before the election last year, Jeremy Corbyn said he would hand over number 10 to a homeless family if he won for Christmas yeah and I just so wanted to see that happen because once you do that you can't go back uh, it would have just been such a powerful image the yeah. gammons and the uh, daily mail comments section would have 
Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it didn't help him win the election, but I just thought, I, you know, I just loved him even more for it, to be honest. On that point, can a prime minister ever run an anti-monarch uh, platform? Because obviously it's so related, isn't it? Like you, you saw the flack Jeremy Corbyn got for, for example, not bowing his head far enough at some events. I mean, can a, can a prime minister ever run on that platform? I believe it was Jeremy Corbyn was deemed to have not bowed low enough before the cenotaph. Yeah, you know, that's right. That that thing that people have definitely complained about that before. That definitely wasn't just made up for Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be difficult for anyone to get elected on that platform. I think isn't isn't it only the Green Party, the only major party in the UK at the moment, to have an official policy of republicanism? Mm. Yeah, I think it's possible to run on an anti-Lords platform, as Tony Blair did in 97, and it's possible to run on a platform of wanting to redistribute um, wealth. So if you tacked onto that, you know, it, it might be necessary to look at the resources that the royal family holds, then... I think that's possible, but running on an explicit, we're going to get rid of the Queen, it's just, you're not going to win. Um, but I, I think it's easy to expand arguments that have already been successful to include, as we were talking about before, land reform and and unhealthy influence behind the scenes. I, th I think the royal family get first look at any legislation that will directly affect them. And because they own a lot of land, that's basically everything. So... I think it would be very easy for someone to stand up and say, I think that's wrong. Do you think that's wrong as well? And I think many people would agree with that. But but yeah, standing up saying I want to get rid of the, the royal family, I think it would be wrong as well, because there's so many other things wrong with with this country. Um, I was about to say it would be a vanity project. At this point. Yeah, I think rather than running on a platform of abolishing the monarchy, you would want to run on a platform of reducing all forms of hereditary power, yeah. uh, reducing the amounts that people are allowed to inherit, uh, abolishing hereditary lords, and mm -hmm. so many similar projects such that the royal family is just the last point on a checklist. Yeah, which is, of course, what terrifies um, the civil service so much when people like Jeremy Corbyn stand up and talk about a redistribution of wealth and power, because that's um, that's what it might inevitably lead to. And they don't want that. One thing that we talked about before, Mason, you said that you think it's a matter of when the monarchy goes rather than if. And I think that's a very interesting point, And I'm keen to look at that a little bit more now. Obviously, we've mentioned the Commonwealth already. And perhaps there is stronger appetite in Commonwealth countries to get rid of the monarchy than there is here. Because, to be frank, I think a lot of people in countries such as Canada or Australia don't feel the connection that we do here in Britain. I have a friend from Australia and he's adamant that once Queen Elizabeth passes away, that, that'll be it. He, he, does, he doesn't think there'll be any way they'll carry on with that. How do we see that developing? Do we think countries in the Commonwealth are going to get rid of the monarchy in our lifetime? I mean, Australia very nearly got rid of the monarchy before. They had a referendum. It was a close run thing. They ultimately voted in favour of keeping it. I mean, once the Queen goes, I find it very difficult to see Australia wanting to keep the monarchy. It's a very, there's a very powerful Republican movement there. Slightly less so in Canada and New Zealand. 
I think, is it Jamaica that's been trying to, I'll look this up while we're here, is it Jamaica that's been trying to get rid of the monarchy for ages, but still hasn't? Have they had a referendum? I'm just looking that up while we speak. I mean, it's it's an easy argument to make, isn't it? You know, if you're a Canadian citizen and you're saying, why is our head of state, um, you know, an, an old lady on the other side of the Atlantic? Um, harder to make here. But again, I think the Queen is all important. Once she goes, I think the thread could start to unravel because she is she's untouchable, rightly or wrongly. Um, but but Charles is a lot more unpopular. I think William is more popular, but I think there's some tension now between him and Harry, particularly in the in the press. There's some issues being exposed. So um, I, I think, as I as I said as I said before, that things could change very quickly once the Queen goes. But maybe the Commonwealth might be in trouble. But I'm not sure if we'll see the monarchy abolished in the UK in our lifetimes. But I may be wrong. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. One one other thing I think we've got to ask ourselves is, do the, the the royal family do all of them actually want to be in that limelight as well? Like because that's a hell of a lot of pressure to put to be born into. Like I don't know if you guys have seen the the series. Uh, is it the Netflix series, The Crown? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. That's quite revealing in a way of actually the pressure that it put the family under, the strain it put marriages under, and the relationship between you know siblings. Do, do people really want to live like that? I mean, obviously, the crown is a drama, so there's an extent yeah. to which we have to take it with a pinch of salt. But yeah, mm-hmm. I dare say that the monarchs probably do struggle from time to time, which is possibly part of the reason why Prince William's been as, out, so outspoken about mental health. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the death of his mother would have played into that too. But yeah, I mean, it can't be easy being in the spotlight that whole time, especially when it's since, I mean, the royal babies were celebrities from before when they were even born. Yeah, the they, have, are, they have no choice. The royals are often judged on their ability to breed. So, <laughs> Yeah, that was, it, well, if you're a queen, that was your one job, wasn't it? Make make yeah. male babies for me and then well done, you've, you've, you know, you've succeeded. I mean, I did have a lot of respect for William when he said clearly that he thinks he should not have been made to walk behind his mother's coffin back in 97 as a however old he was then 15 or what have you um and I think we're going to see that more because okay a hundred years ago you had the wealth and the power but you there was a deference to the royals they weren't hounded as they are today Mm. so now if I was a royal I'd be thinking okay well I've 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 got a bit of wealth and I have some influence but why would I want to be on the balcony as well because then I'm just inviting all of this flack that I don't need because I've already got this wealth that I don't actually want people to be looking at because it might make them say well why does this person have this so I I think Prince Charles wants a more streamlined royal family less people on the balcony waving as it were and that might suit many of them because they may say well I'm happy to you know be in the background and and not have too many questions asked of me. And Harry and, and Meghan are kind of already doing that, really. They're escaping, aren't they? I want to make a cheap... I just want to make a quick cheap point. Excellent. Monarchs, monarchs called Charles haven't really had a good um, <laughs> reputation so far, have they? Charles III. Yeah, get ready, everyone. Exactly. 
we'll have another storming of the commons will we <laughs> well there is that that great play that i saw a tv adaptation of where he does kind of close down parliament because of some issue or another i can't remember i mean i think we need we need stuff like that just to highlight the fact that the royals do still have a lot of power and influence because there just isn't a genuine debate about that at the moment and that's what annoys me even if you if you're happy for them to have that power okay make that argument but i just don't think many people know what's going on at the moment there's no informed choice i mean obviously there are only a handful of um hereditary monarchs who actually have power left in the world Mm -hmm. and they're mostly in the middle east yeah it's i mean Mohammed bin Salman, even though he's not king of Saudi Arabia yet, is probably the most egregious example there. Yeah. Of what uh, sort of our idea of a medieval despot, if they were still around today, would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Medieval with oil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let's say let's say we got rid of the monarchy. What do the family do then? Because we still have the family. They they have lived the whole life, mm-hmm. living off the, the taxpayer or their income. Where do they go? Well, I know if they're... we compare it to other parasocial relationships, I think the obvious answer is that they open up a Patreon account. <laughs> <laughs> Start a YouTube channel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> go on Gogglebox. If, if you're a fan of the royal family, then subscribe to my OnlyFans account. <laughs> I would love that. That would be great. You know, the mo- the monarchs are complete benefit scroungers, aren't they? We just need to, they need to get out and contribute to society. Yeah, go on rich house, poor house or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's one of the big questions, isn't it? What would they do? Where would they go? I mean, I they'd have plenty of opportunities to make money. I'm sure lots of book deals, etc. But they might and... all do. Go on, Mason. Uh, if we're just talking about, you know, abolishing the title, they still have all they still have all of the uh, financial capital that they own today. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not talking about putting them on the straight. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be fine. Um, but yeah, again, that it's what we were talking about before. Getting rid of them. How far do you want to go? Is it just, OK, you're no longer the queen, but you keep everything else? Or are we taking everything from you uh because if she keeps everything else she'll probably just go and live in balmoral for example just all year round or what have you so it's it's it has to come with these other bigger questions that um so she'd be another one she'd she'd be another one who moved to scotland then yes (laughs) it's just nicola sturgeon's such a legend they all just want to be near her you see can't blame (laughs) them (laughs) <laughs> then there'll be now and now and now that she's um then she'd be a private citizen so she could endorse scottish independence she could vote yes that would be fascinating wouldn't it i mean <laughs> get get jeremy paxman back and put the put them on the telly that'd be brilliant wouldn't it yeah she could become a pundit <laughs> every I'm, 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 30 million people would watch that you know if it yeah. was just five minutes with the queen every night where she could be honest and say what she thought Half have, the world would tune in. They'd yeah. have Prince Charles as a guest presenter on Have I Got News For You. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure about that. <laughs> okay, so just to kind of wrap this episode up then. Um, let's. We, we've talked about it already, but let's say there's a referendum tomorrow and mm-hmm. we can choose to get rid of the monarchy or we can choose to keep it. Uh, how would you go, Mason? 
Um, I suppose I would vote to get rid of it, but you know, obviously I would want a proper understanding of how it's going to be conducted. We've learned that referendums don't mean much unless there are proper preparations in place for both potential outcomes. All right, yeah, Matt? Yeah, I think if it was as Brexit 2016, I would probably vote to keep them. If it was just, let's get rid of them, there's no plan for what that actually means. I would actually vote to keep them just because I would be worried about what the alternative would be because it would sound a bit like a power grab to me by people that I don't want to, to have even more power. But if there was a plan, definitely vote to get rid of them. Yeah, I more or less agree with Matt on that. I mean, I would, if there were no plan for what would come in its place, I would, I'm not sure I'd vote to keep the monarchy, but I certainly wouldn't vote mm. to abolish it unless it were abundantly clear what was being proposed to replace it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very much the same sort of line. Yeah, I think if it was tomorrow, I would vote to keep it. I, I think the alternative would be would be dangerous. Democracy like that can be dangerous. So, uh, yeah, that would be my choice. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. That was really interesting to catch our views. Interestingly, we, we seem to be sort of um, more sort of inclined to keep the monarchy at the moment as it stands rather than risking the potential of having a Nigel Farage-esque figure sort of becoming president, which is a fair point, I think. President <laughs> Nigel Farage. Oh, no. Gosh. I mean, can you can you imagine the figures that would put themselves forward for that? Like, I mean, I mean you say that. We saw that in Austria in back in 2016. I mean, Norbert mm -hmm. Hofer of the yeah. Freedom Party, the far right Freedom Party, nearly became president of Austria. Yeah. And that's I think that's a really worrying thing about actually the people that would put themselves forward would probably tend to be quite, you know, television famous billionaires anyway. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, imagine, because imagine, yeah. imagine if the final like there were a runoff ballot and the two choices were Nigel Farage and George Galloway. Imagine oh, that. <laughs> Bring back the monarchy. Bring back the yes. monarchy. <laughs> We should have some sort of uh, do it on TV. Just in, re bring back Gladiator and put them on. And yeah, anything but them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So thanks for everyone for tuning into this show. That was really interesting. Thanks for your thoughts, guys. Um, yeah, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much. <laughs>